have you back if that's your situation. I want to just thank you all for participating in worship. Um, I want to thank the Melvins for leading us in our Advent reading. It's, it's really good to gather together today. I want to just mention two things really quickly uh, by way of announcement that are in the bulletin. I encourage you to pick up a bulletin as well. But uh, one is uh, Chris mentioned the children's program that's happening in, in a couple of weeks. It's always a, a fun day. I want to encourage you to be making plans to be here for that. But also this afternoon, right after classes, uh, our kids are having a children's art day. And so if you have a child from two years old to fifth grade, uh, after class from 1145 to 130, that's happening upstairs in our children's area. Um, and if you didn't know about it, that's fine. There's going to be pizza. There's going to be an opportunity for our kids to, to do some art, work on some art projects that I understand will be used during the Christmas program in a couple of weeks. So I want you to be aware of that if you didn't get the memo or hear the, the announcement about that before right now. Just a reminder about that. Um, and if you have questions, you can find uh, Diana and some of the other adults that will be working on that to help make that happen. The other thing I want to mention is right after class this morning, um, we're going to have an, a meeting for anyone that is interested, that might want to be interested, that might be willing to think about, consider going to Israel with us in March of 2024. Originally, I said that it was going to be in the old library at the bottom of the ramp, but we're gonna, I'm going to move it to room 201 off of the foyer over here near the men's restroom. Uh, if you don't, if, even, if, even if you're like, I don't really think there's a chance I'm going to go, but you just want to come and hear more about it, we would encourage you to come. We're excited to share some details about the trip and want you to hear those. And so I uh, would encourage you to come and be a part of that. That'll be after class as well. So today uh, marks the second Sunday in the season of Advent, and that's what all of this is about. The candles and the trees started that last week. Uh, Advent is the season when we remember when we remember that Jesus came once to the earth as a baby, uh, and that is also the season when we remember that he is coming again one day. Uh, you've heard that theme already today throughout our time in worship, and, and to help us prepare for this season, to kind of be present in this season, uh, we're in this series we're calling O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, where we're looking at this well-known Christmas song, and each week we're taking one of the verses, we just saying the verse that we're going to talk about this morning. We're taking one verse each week and kind of looking at it, evaluating it, analyzing it, and looking at how it, this song tells a story. And so each verse tells this really powerful story, and we're thinking together about how it can help us prepare uh, in our lives, both now and in the future, for God's arrival. Uh, if you knew nothing about the song, O Come, o Come Emmanuel, you very likely knew the verse that we sang last week. Uh, which uses this, this title for Jesus, Emmanuel. But this verse today is less familiar probably to most people, to many of us for sure. And So I want to begin by looking back, and we're going to kind of look at several points throughout the sermon at this, this verse. It's going to be kind of our focus for today. Uh, it's, the, I think, actually the third verse of the song, but second verse for our second sermon here. Uh, and so I want to look at it again. This is what it says, what the words you just sang a minute ago. O come, thou dayspring Come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the doomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Now, as you hear these words, I want you to, I want you to think about them from the perspective of, not you initially, but from the perspective of Israel. Israel, the Old Testament Israel, the Jews who would have been 
had this long history, this story, right? And their story, as you will remember, is one of being slaves in Egypt and then being freed from Egypt only to then wander around in the desert for decades. Uh, And then even when they finally do get to the land that had been promised to them, eventually it leads to them being conquered and there's exile. There's all sorts of stories. There's this long and winding history uh, without peace, without stability, without any sort of routine and rhythm. They're always on the go, always on the move. There's always enemies to be concerned about. Their nation has been divided by the end and nothing has gone the way that they planned. Kings don't work out. There's bad kings. There's a couple of good kings in there, but time after time after time, there's bad kings that try to lead these people. And they've been told in the midst of this journey that there is a Messiah that's coming, a Savior that's coming. And they heard the prophet Isaiah say things like in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So they know that these kinds of statements have been made, and yet, by the time you reach the end of the Old Testament, in the last chapter, in the last verse of the book of Malachi, there is still no Messiah. There's still been no no great light that's arrived on the earth. And they'll keep waiting, actually, even after the Old Testament comes to an end. Before Matthew opens up his part of the story, there will be a long period of waiting, around 400 years more of waiting, waiting for God to bring this great light that had been promised to them into the world. 400 years. That's how long there is between, or around how long there is between the end of the Old Testament. And we just flip a page, but 400 years are passing when you flip the page from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. 400 years. Just imagine that that period of time. Well, you can imagine. But imagine if you're Israel and you've been promised that this day is going to come and it doesn't come in your lifetime and you're nearing the end of your life and you tell your children and and your grandchildren, this is the story that we've been told. We haven't experienced it yet, but we want you to continue to live faithfully to God because we believe that this day is coming, and then your children and, their grand, and your grandchildren, they do the same thing to their children and grandchildren, and then those, those children and grandchildren do the same thing, thing, same thing to their children and grandchildren because there's been no light come for generations now. There's just been waiting. And when the New Testament opens up, they're now occupied by the nation of Rome. And so it seems like nothing has actually changed, just different Nations dominating Israel over time. And you can imagine if you put yourself in this situation in their minds, they're waiting in darkness. It feels like darkness. It feels like that God has forgotten that one time long ago through the prophet Isaiah that he promised that people who were walking in darkness would see a great light and that those who were living in the land of deep darkness would see a light dawn, but there's not been a light dawn Yet, And as they wait in darkness, it's hard and it's discouraging, which turns out is what it feels like for us to wait in darkness. It can feel hard. It can feel discouraging. Look at the words of this song again. 
It can feel like this, right? Gloomy clouds at night are hanging over your head when you're waiting for something to happen, waiting for God to act. And so Israel is wondering, as you think about this verse of this song from Israel's perspective, they're wondering, will God come through on the promise that God made to send a Savior? When is this great light that Isaiah told us that would come, this Isaiah prophesied would come, when is this great light going to arrive? And when you think about this song this way, I think that it's, it actually kind of almost becomes a prayer. It takes us into the mind of Israel, helping us to imagine what might it have been like. What might they have been thinking as they were waiting, as they were longing for the first coming of the Messiah? But this morning, this song is not just for Israel. It doesn't just express Israel's heart. It also expresses the longing that the church still has for Jesus to complete the work of redeeming the world. And so I want to look at what exactly this verse of this song says. Right? It begins by inviting the day spring to come. But what, what, is, what is day spring? Day spring is not a word that most of us know or even or certainly use. But day spring simply means the dawn. Think of it like the sunrise. A new day. Darkness is leaving and sun is shining. If you were here last week, again, the first verse of this song talks about, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, of course, we know is a name of Jesus. It means God with us. So this week, instead of Emmanuel, we're looking at a different name of Jesus, essentially, the, the name Dayspring. And so the song is inviting Dayspring, thou dayspring, to come and cheer our spirits by thine advent, thy arrival here on earth. Now, if you grew up on a steady diet of the King James Version of the Bible, you might recognize the word dayspring because it shows up in the King James Version of Luke 1, verse 78. I want to read for context a few verses before verse 78, and then I'll read verse 78. This is what it says in Luke 1 beginning in verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission for their, of their sins. Though the, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way into the way of peace. There's that word dayspring, whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us. Now I want you to see the word in this context in the King James Version, but since the King James Version is difficult for me, maybe not for many of you, I want to actually look at this same passage in the NIV and talk about it a bit more. This is, what it, this is how it translates in the NIV. Same passage, same exact passage. And you, my child, Matthew, uh, Luke records rather, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which, here's the line, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. 
Now, these words that we've just read in two different translations are a part of the song that Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, sings when John the Baptist is born. Right? If you recall this story, Zechariah had been visited by an angel and been told by the angel about John's birth. The angel told him that John was going to be a prophet. And that John was going to help prepare the way for a Messiah that would come after him. That John would be the forerunner, we call him. He would run ahead of the Messiah and prepare people's hearts to receive what it was the Messiah was going to teach. And of course, Zechariah, John's dad, and his wife Elizabeth were older and they thought they were, they, the opportunity for them to have children had passed. It had already passed. But on top of that, they were a part of this group of Israelites that I was talking about a minute ago that had been waiting. Their parents and grandparents had been people who passed down the stories of Israel to them and told them, hold on to faith because God is going to send a Messiah. But no, that hadn't happened in any of their previous generation's lifetimes. And so you can imagine, think about it, as you place yourself in Zechariah's shoes, right, his parents, his grandparents, his great-grandparents, his great-great-grandparents maybe had all been followers of God and they had continued to pass on these stories of faith telling them that one day a Messiah is going to come and then they all died and not, never saw the Messiah come. And then Zechariah, while he's there in the temple, has an angel that appears to him and he is, he's dumbfounded. He, he's, he actually speaks in a way that causes him to be mute now until, until the baby is born because he doesn't believe, he doesn't have faith. He doesn't really think that now has, the time has finally come when all that waiting is going to come to an end. They're a part of that group of people that have been waiting for so long that it almost became like they had given up. And so you can imagine his excitement when the baby John, who we know is John the Baptist, is finally born. Zechariah is so excited. First of all, he gets to speak after a long period of not being able to speak. So that's one reason he's, he's excited. But the other reason he's, he's excited is because all of Israel's waiting has come to an end. Celebration is the only appropriate response. And so he bursts into praise. And what we're hearing, what we're reading here in Luke chapter 1 is this moment that he's waited for his entire life. His ancestors waited for, but they, they never got to see. And so he's saying, my son, my son is going to be a prophet. My son, by God's mercy, is going to help prepare the way for light to come into the world. And when you read it in the NIV translation, you see, I think, Zechariah's words are sort of a play on words, right? God's son, S-O-N, will arrive on earth. And when he does arrive on earth, it will be like the dawn, it will be like the sunrise. It will be like the S-U-N that rises each morning. Zechariah says that this happened because of the tender mercy of God, the compassion of God, that, that line right there that's at the top. And I want to focus in on that for just a second because that word mercy in the Greek means, the word is splachna, which is just kind of a cool Greek word anyway, but it literally refers to the intestines. It refers to the inner parts of a person, their guts, you might say. And when that word splachna is used in the New Testament, it's used in this way that conveys deep personal feeling. 
deep affection, deep compassion and care. This is essentially, Zechariah is saying, he's prophesying here, he's praising God and he's saying, Jesus coming into the world means this thing. God loves you so much and God's love for you is so intense that God feels it here in his splachna, his gut. And this is the result of the mercy of God, the compassion that God has. And this is all so overwhelming to Zechariah that God's love is finally coming to earth after hundreds of years of waiting. That he understands that John and Jesus, his son and Jesus, who he won't know about quite yet, but that he believes is going to happen because he's had a visit from an angel. They both have a role to play in the story. John's role was to be a prophet of a different kind. If Jesus is like the sun, S-U-N, sun, John the Baptist is like a lamp. Still an important light, but a lesser light. Still helpful, but not the sun, right? And so dayspring then is, is like a King James, a very King James poetic way of saying some, that something new is happening in Jesus Christ. It's a very poetic King James way of saying God is bringing light into the world. And you're like, why didn't you just tell us at the beginning, Doug? You have to tell, all, tell us all that other stuff. No, because you needed to understand this song, O Come, Emmanuel, right? Like, and Jesus actually says this about himself. In John chapter 8, John records Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. I am the day spring. I am the sun that has dawned. And then he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, this is Jesus saying, I am the light that Isaiah talked about that would come into the world. I am the sun that is rising. And this morning, I want you to know that that light that is coming into the world isn't just for Israel, though they certainly waited long enough to receive it and, and be appreciative for it. Many of them missed it. It's not just for them. It is also for you. In Acts chapter 1, when Luke is telling his story about Jesus' return to heaven, right? Jesus has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. We're told in, Luke, in Acts chapter 1 by, by Luke that after he was raised from the dead, he spent 40 days on the earth with people, learning, talking, teaching. And Luke writes about this in the beginning of the book of Acts. I want you to listen to what he says in Acts. He says, after his suffering, after Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them, to the disciples, the followers, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was, in fact, alive, and they weren't just dreaming and imagining it. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. They gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time? I mean, they've seen him die. They've seen him raise back to life. They're thinking, this is our moment. We're about to take over. We're about to dominate. We're about to conquer. He says, are you at, they say, are at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. Advent is about waiting, longing for this moment that these two men in white spoke about long ago to happen one day. I want to say this morning that I think it's easy as we think about Jesus' return to think that it's only about him returning one day. Right? Actually, Advent is also about Christ coming into your life now and about the light of the world illuminating the darkness in your heart and your world now. What do I mean by that exactly? I mean that once, once a person begins to follow Jesus, right, that that isn't all that there is to it. Too often we can, we can stop with the beginning of the journey. Someone surrenders their life to Christ. We witness them washing away their sins and committing them themselves to Christ in baptism and beginning on their journey. It doesn't just stop there, right? Jesus arrives into our lives again and again and again and again in fresh new ways. These are the times when Jesus has come into our lives and maybe a period of time goes by. And then there's this second coming, as it were, right? Jesus comes in a new way. Many of you have experienced that. I'm thinking about times in your life when you learn something new about God, about the Bible, about faith in Jesus. Those times when you come to see or understand something in a new way. Or maybe you have an encounter with someone. Maybe you have an encounter with the Spirit of God. You hear the Spirit whisper something. You read something in Scripture or in another book that makes you think. You experience something that catches your attention. God shows up in some new way. I like to think of these kinds of moments in our lives, in our spiritual journey, as second comings too. Those moments when you're experiencing the light of Jesus do what the light of Jesus does, which is illuminate, which is cast darkness and darkness, darkness's shadow out of your life, which brings joy, disperses darkness, and puts death to flight, which the song says. The reality is that all of us are on a journey, and the destination that we are on will not be reached until one of two things happens. Your life ends or Jesus returns. You hear me? Like, we don't get to retire from faith. We don't get to just hang it up at some point. The journey with the Lord does not stop until you die or Jesus returns. And until one of those two things happens, God continues to come into our lives, advent into our lives, arrive into our lives again and again and again and again. And our role in that is to have eyes to see it, to have ears to hear it, to have hearts that are willing to receive that arrival again and again and again. And the challenge, and I think the reason probably that we have a lot in common with the Israelites, is that we have been waiting. We understand, actually, what it's like to wait. Because that day that we just read about, that was recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 1, happened over 2,000 years ago. I mean, most of us can't remember what happened a year ago, right? And that happened 2,000 years ago. 
We've been waiting a long time. And it would be easy to think, to ask, is Jesus going to keep this promise? Is this promise that these men in white proclaimed all these years ago going to come finally in our day? Or maybe did Jesus forget? Did he forget that he told the disciples he would come back? And I think the way that we experience the, the impact of this waiting in our life, in our world today in 2022, is that many people think that Jesus has forgotten. Right? This, the evidence of this is, is, is seen in our world in, in the way that fewer and fewer and fewer people are living lives of faith. I mean, it doesn't take much of a Google search to, to, to learn that in our country, church attendance is on the decline. More and more people every day are abandoning faith. Because in their minds, the way I think about those decisions is the whole thing is taking too long. No one thinks about it this way, of course. No one actually thinks about it that way. Most everyone still likes the idea of God. But the darkness has become so thick that people don't don't see how God impacts their everyday lives. And what I'm saying this morning is that a part of this is because when something takes a long time, we lose patience, we lose focus, we sometimes lose our ability to continue. And when this happens... People stop paying attention to God. Dark clouds just sort of begin to take over. I want you to think about this as an illustration for the times that we're living in. Have you ever noticed how you feel on uh, when there are a bunch of consecutive rainy days, one right after another? Have you ever noticed how you physically feel when this happens? I think that that is sort of the way that it can feel right now, living at this point in history while we wait for Jesus' return. That around every corner, there seems to be some other set of bad news, some heavy news. I mean, this week alone, in the DFW area alone, death and murder and loss and pain and tragedy, and those are just... The really big headlines. There's not also, well, I'm not even mentioning all the things that happened in our individual lives with relationships and work and family and stress and health. And it's easy to feel like, how long, O oh Lord? Like, will the rain last forever? Will all these consecutive rainy days continue to carry on one right after another? But I want you to notice what happens. What happens in you after a bunch of consecutive rainy days? What happens in you when the sun does finally come out? Right? You notice the sun, don't you? You notice how it all of a sudden just can lift your, just being outside can lift your spirit after a bunch of consecutive rainy days happen, right? Am I the only one that this happens to? Okay, thank you. There's somebody awake out there. James, I was getting worried. Right? You feel it in your, in your physical 
body. You, you can feel, when the sun comes out, you feel it on your shoulders. You turn your face up to it, maybe. We'll even say things like, man, I really missed the sun. It sure is good to see the sun. The sun coming out changes everything. And like Israel, the world is now in a season of waiting. It feels like sometimes a season of consecutive rainy days where we think to ourselves, maybe the sun will never come back out. Maybe it's just always going to be one headline after another, one difficult struggle after another, maybe one gloomy cloud, dark night after another. And this, this morning, I would suggest to you that this is the reason that we need this season. If you haven't been convinced in all the years we've been talking about Advent, I hope to convince you today. Because what Advent does is it helps us remember. It helps us remember the rising sun, the day spring, is coming back. Darkness will not last forever. And when Jesus arrives again, the seasons of life that we experience that are difficult will come to an end. Darkness itself will come to an end. Death and death's shadows will come to an end, will be no more. And near the very last pages of the Bible, I want you to listen to how, how the Bible talks about in Revelation, how the, John the Apostle talks about and writes about this in Revelation 21. Listen to what he says what he sees. He says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things, all that waiting all those days, all those rainy days, all those dark days, all the gloomy clouds will be dispersed and will have passed away because God will have come back and returned and Christ will be on the throne. I love these words so much. And I think they sound a lot like the verse to our song, right? That when, when our day spring returns, Advent's here and comes to cheer us, all the dark clouds will be scattered, death. And all of death's dark shadows will be put to flight. That phrase, put to flight, is not a phrase we use either anymore. But it means to cause something to run away or someone to run away. So think about it like this. When Jesus returns, death and pain and loss and darkness and evil will run and hide. They'll be brought to an end. Tears will be wiped away and there will be no more of those things. Death or mourning or crying or pain of any kind. Because the old order of things, the darkness will have passed away. One of the reasons that I love to celebrate Advent each year is because we need, I need, the reminder that Jesus will return. Because I'll go first in confessing that I don't wake up every day thinking about it. And I need reminders in my life that God has not forgotten his promise. And for someone who might ask, well, what, what's the benefit of having a year every year where you talk about this season of Advent, celebrating Christ's birth as a baby and longing for Christ's return one day? My, one of my responses would be to that question, when is the last time you thought about Jesus coming back? Months? 
Years? Has it been years since you've thought about it? If so, then you need Advent. Because Advent trains us in the act of thinking about it on a regular, if not, if not regular, at least annual basis. Helping us live lives of faith. Helping us live more aware of the fact that all of life is temporary. All that we know is going to end. It's a breath. It's a mist. And there is more beyond this life. And what Jesus' first arrival into the world as a baby did for us was make possible his second arrival one day. And because we know this, that it is coming, we know that dark clouds will not last forever. Because we know that that day is coming, we know that death's dark shadows can be put to flight, will be put to flight forever one day. And because of that, we can sing the chorus of this song, which is rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. God with us has come, not only to Israel, but to the entire world, because God loves you so much that he cares deeply for you in his gut that he sent his only son to us. Let's pray together. Father, we praise your name that you came once for your people and that you are coming again one day. And as we live in this season, we pray that you will build in us, cultivate in us an awareness of the reality that life will come to an end. The world as we know it will not exist in the way that we know it today. That there is a day that is coming ahead of us at some point in the future when you will return. And we pray that we will live in such a way that prepares for that day. That we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are willing to receive you and your coming, your, your arrival into our lives over and over and over again so that we can be more prepared for your return one day. We need seasons like this, God, to, to slow us down just a little bit, to reorient us to what matters, to help us remember the significance of you coming into this world, into our time and our space, into taking on flesh, to being born in that manger and that among all of the animals, as Jerry reminded us a minute ago, as the perfect sacrifice, as the perfect life. And we're thankful, Father, for the hope and the assurance that we have because you came once and because of we, our belief that you are coming again. We miss you, Father, and we long for your return, and we thank you that we are not alone, that your spirit continues to be here among us as we live in these days. And we pray that you will strengthen today, God, those who are hurting, those who are feeling the heaviness of darks, dark shadows and clouds that are looming over them for whatever reason it may be. I pray that you will meet them today where they are and be present and near to them by your power. We love you, Father, and we thank you for Christ. And it's in his name we pray. And the church said, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing one more song and then uh, be closed in our shepherd's prayer. Thankful that you're here. Hope you'll stay for our class time after this.